88.3 WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. You're tuned into another edition of the Summer Sessions with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr., better known as R.B.J. And tonight, keep your dials locked in because we'll be having words and music with Detroit-based DJ, artist, and label head for Rock City Disco, Mr. Peter Croce. Before we get to that interview, we're going to enjoy a short mix of Peter Croce's and Rock City Disco's releases. Starting with this excellent edit with the Arup Roy track, Just Like Heaven. Peace, thank you, and as always, let's groove.
88.3 WXOU Auburn Hills, Michigan. You are tuned in to the Summer Sessions with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr. And you just got done hearing Milton Wright, Brothers and Sisters, the Mr. PC 12-inch edit, courtesy of our guest for evening, evening, Mr. Peter Croce. (laughs) (laughs) I got excited for the mic. No, you're fine. You're fine. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. You're very welcome. I'm honored to have you, honestly. I appreciate Um, that. So we've been, this is probably our second time talking this year. We had a uh, nice little session and movement. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. It was. Less headphones, more more sound in the background. Less yelling, too. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Peter, um, I could have you talk about all these songs, but that last one, that one's pretty special for you. So talk about that real quick. Yeah, I love a good re-edit as a as a DJ, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I view an edit is it's some, it's a it's a track that I'm uh, reimagining for my for my dance floor or mm-hmm. for a modern dance floor, and so. I just came across that song on Spotify. I mean, I hate to give the algorithm credit uh, on terrestrial radio and as somebody who runs a vinyl label, but sometimes you find stuff that you wouldn't normally find. And so I came across that Milton Wright track. And God, I just thought it was the most brilliant blend of R&B and disco and even the folksy vibes with the acoustic guitar. And um, I just thought it was too short. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's why I called it the 12 inch edit, and it did have a 12 inch release on TK Disco. I managed to find a mint copy of it, and I—that's how I do a lot of edits. I just find the mint as good of a copy of vinyl as I can, record it on my mixer to my computer, and then uh, give it the virtual razor and tape chop and rearrange it. And so, uh, yeah, the first time I ever played that was at Movement Festival, which mm-hmm. I believe is the set we're listening to right now. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm really, really excited with how that one turned out. So. From what I hear from that sentence, that's pretty much just a complete amalgamation of you as an artist and as a DJ and pretty much as a person, just extremely detail-oriented. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is we're going to just take it back to where this all began. So you're obviously very good at it. So what first got you interested in just learning to play other people's music? Yeah, right, because that's mostly what we're doing. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess... The, the the early early days was like when I was 10 or 11 years old I was learning how to play electric bass and my dad was a professional drummer back in the day in wedding bands and stuff and for those listening who are from the east side uh, east side suburbs he was in a band called Mist with a Y of course so in the 80s they stayed paid man they were like playing lots of weddings and I've listened to old tapes and they are lit <laughs> so it's, it's good my dad's singing Rick James if you can imagine but yeah some music's in my blood um I just got in in high school. I got really into just amassing as much music as possible. That was like the early days of iTunes. It was right when iTunes was made available for PC, mm-hmm. and I had a PC at the time. And so I was just collecting more and more music, ripping my dad's CDs to the computer, mm-hmm. buying CDs from Car City Records. And then when I went off to Michigan State, um, you know, I had this giant external hard drive, and my friends were like, "What's on there?" And then they saw how much was in my iTunes, and they're like, "Can you make?" playlists for our parties so like, yeah let's do that and so yeah right, right when i was about to graduate from college i i was like all right i'm gonna buy a controller and i just bought a little hercules controller it actually is a great bit of kit mm. um but i was like like everything i do i just go way too hard with it and i was like all right these little three inch platters are not gonna cut it and so um flatback and circular had some solid new mark turntables and a mixer they were selling and that just really began the the vinyl foray mm. and um i just like that i mean yeah i think a lot of people think i like started with records and stuff i started with virtual dj and and a controller i just really wanted to learn the roots of it and i prefer the tactile feel of of uh ter- of records and and just how big you know 12 inches man it feels so much better to play on um so that was the early days of djing um and then yeah, just collecting more and more records, and I had like a five-hour weekly vinyl-only gig at Great Lakes Coffee, which is gone now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just cut my teeth doing that. Just playing, I was playing like the LP cuts, on, you know, because I only had so many records. And mm-hmm. I was like, what's a funky Led Zeppelin track off Physical Graffiti? And there's like, there are some. Like, you could play it at a coffee shop at 9.30 p.m. Like, it's a mm-hmm. vibe, you know? But then, of course, I was playing 12s and more dancey stuff, but yeah. Yeah. 
So that's actually a good jumping off point to our next question, because, you know, you talk about just going from Led Zeppelin to house techno. You know, when you type in Peter Croce, you see words like Balearic, disco, reggae, house, techno. Um, so when it comes to like kind of describing your style, was that something you always knew you wanted to do or did it kind of develop over time? You know, um, yeah, that's such a great question because Detroit has such deep techno and house roots, of course. And before that, they called it progressive, right? And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. At the time, all I really knew was was house and all that. And I, it took me a little while. I, you know, to be completely honest with you, Roosevelt, like it took mm-hmm. moving to Chicago for a year and a half to really come to terms with the fact that I just didn't want to play only house all night. Mm-hmm. And Chicago has this really great digger scene. And I just... Um, it's not exactly that everyone was playing like the same way that I'm playing, but I just was like, oh man, people are playing some cool, weird records that I would not have expected to hear. Mm. And so it was like a thing I always wanted to do, but didn't entirely feel like I had the confidence to do it or something. Mm. And, um, so yeah. And then I started learning about, um, David Mancuso who never really, he never like really beat matched or anything, but he's his, if you look at his track listings, it's just, it's so good. Chuck Mangione into, uh, you know, Josh Jaga. It's just crazy. Um, <laughs> and then I started learning about the Balearic DJs like Alfredo, or, like at Amnesia in the 80s. Like, this is like way before like the $12 Budweiser Ibiza <laughs> of today. You know what I mean? Um, this was like Roots Ibiza. Or, or um, yeah, like all these amazing Italian DJs that used to go out there for the summers and play. And, it was crazy because I was thinking about a lot of my favorite songs and I'm reading these zines and these articles about the Balearic DJs and I'm like, oh, their favorite songs are my favorite songs? Like, I, It's just cool to feel like you're a part of a lineage that you didn't know existed. Mm. <laughs> um, I've never even been to a visa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I sure would like to. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just cool. I guess um, my wife is not a professional musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in, like acapella and uh, college and stuff, but she's like my favorite test for records. Like, mm. like interesting. Cause she's like heady, but she's not like a house head. Mm. Like it needs to move. Like to me, I'm like, well, this record move her and her friends who aren't, they don't want top 40, but they just don't want like, like, you know, super heady, mm-hmm. uh, dungeon mm-hmm. vibes all night. And so <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I, yeah, that's kind of my, my, uh, I'm like, I'm trying to play party jams mm-hmm. that are for everybody, but not like, it's not pop music. Mm. Like, I don't know. I want to play people's new favorite songs before they know it's their favorite songs. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That eternal struggle for pretty much every DJ. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, not trying to like go out there. And just play what people want to hear. I mean, God, it's just so... T- everyone says that all the time. But for real, like, you know, the Boy George quote <laughs> that he talks about, like, you, you you want the chef to make exactly what you want? You're like, I want the chef to make <laughs> what they want because they know, they know better than me. I don't know. Mm. But, yeah, I, I do. I just want to really surprise people. Um, I want to I wanna move the house heads. I want to move the, like, normie punters who ended up mm-hmm. at Motor City Wine on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> And I think you can do... I think it's possible. Mm. I mean, I watch it happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk about Motor City Wine. Um, you know, the way you've just been able to move crowds. Um, and the way that you've gotten just, like, established in the Detroit DJ circuit. Um, talk about, you know, just getting out of college. Yeah. Um, when you were first getting established, in, like, in you know the Detroit scene, um, what do you feel like was your greatest opportunity to kind of build a name for yourself yeah i feel like in many ways it was right place right time um in other ways it was just like being so naively stoked on djing and just playing like 22 hours a week but um i my first place i moved to when i moved from east lansing to detroit was on vermont street which Mm -hmm. is what motor city wines on and so i lived like two two blocks away and I just had a bright idea, like, wow, what's happening Friday right after work, like 6 to 9 p.m.? Like, where's there a patio? And, like, Alley Deck came to mind. And, um, and yeah, but then I was like, oh, Motor City Wine's amazing. Like, I've had some great nights dancing at Motor City Wine. So I just walked in there, and I was like, hey, I moved down the street. I play music. Um, 
and I mean, I was like really nervous. There's there's serious DJs that play there, man. Like, oh my gosh. So, um, I went in and was like, "Hey, DJ, can I, can I play here?" And they were like, "What do you play?" I was, I was like, "Oh, a lot of Sade." <laughs> and he's like, "That's a good start." <laughs> so I um, he's like, "Send me a mix." I sent him a mix, and I know nobody listens to full mixes. So I sent a track list, and he's mm-hmm. like, "I love the track list. Do you want to start playing Fridays?" And I was like, "Yes." Yes, this is a dream come true. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I just like wheel my records down the street. It was awesome. Two blocks uh, every Friday. And um, yeah, it was vinyl only. It was like, oh, Kyle Say's here. Better come correct. Mm-hmm. Like, Derek May's here. Better come correct. Mm-hmm. Norm Talley's here. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. just heads rolling through, just grabbing a drink or or just whatever i mean david the owner is an amazing dj mm-hmm. and, and uh re-editor and producer himself so it's just like okay you need to do this and you need to do this special oh and another funny thing actually this kind of goes back to the last question you asked me mm-hmm. about the uh eclectic playlist or eclectic track list is um, i would play a track like i don't know i was born in the like 1990s so mm-hmm. like i missed a lot right <laughs> and so i would like when Carrie Chandler's Rain got reissued, I was like, whoa, this is a really nice record. I played it, and the owner would come up to me, and this is all in love. Sorry to throw you under the bus, David, but he's like, oh, yeah, we used to love this track 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, heard. <laughs> uh, so I need to, like, find myself, maybe, you know, like, I need to come a little more correct, make it a little more Peter Croce instead of a little more, like, uh just the roots of house or whatever <laughs> and uh the joke became that i was the christopher columbus of dj i'd be like i found this record they was like you didn't find this record <laughs> <laughs> but then i did start finding some records and that mm. was cool um and then you'd be like wow what is this and you're like oh cool all right i'm on the right track mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm not just playing like really good reissues but mm-hmm. you know just reissues so yeah. um yeah that really was how i cut my teeth mm. um and, you know, a lot of Chicago, and I lived in Chicago for a year and a half. A lot of Chicago heads would roll through there. And that was really helpful when I moved to Chicago to be like, I'm not just another guy. I have this residency at this really cool place. And that was really helpful. I'm, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for Motor City Wine. Like, it feels like absolutely my home base. I also have a residency at Temple Bar, which I love. Temple Bar is like my other favorite bar. Um, but Motor City Wine, maybe because I love playing on patios and I love playing as the sun goes down. It just has that vibe, you know? Perfect, perfect setting for Mr. Belair right here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, I will say, though, yeah. actually, like, um, during the day and in the evening, you're right, but I've, like, tried to do my kind of, like, eclectic thing mm-hmm. after 10 p.m. Yeah. And, like, they're not having it. It's no. like, there's, like, you need to bang the box. You just need to beat it up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, heard. All right, let's do this. And, and actually, it's been really fun because... Um, I do love banging the box, mm-hmm. like just house. I mean, it's great when the house dancers really go for it, mm-hmm. right? And the energy's there. And um, so it's been fun, especially when I do these longer sets to just kind of weave around and maybe not beat match for a little bit. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, really after 11 p.m., it's like, we're just going to beat it. Like, mm-hmm. kind of like what you're hearing in the background. It's just so great. <laughs> I love it. Um, And then well, something I want to touch on is that not only just you as a DJ, but actually just you as a producer as well. Um, when you talk about, you know, building a name for yourself, you also, that was also kind of a time where you were building sort of name for yourself as like a, a producer, right? When you kind of putting out edits. Um, so how did that kind of initially start where you got, you're getting comfortable DJing. Now you're thinking about maybe I won't put out my own tracks. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a lot different. It's a different skill set. It's a different mindset. Mm. DJing is so social and producing is so like, I'm just going to squirrel away <laughs> in my closet. Uh, next thing you know, it's been seven hours. <laughs> but yeah, um, fortunately, ed- I find re-editing to be uh, really intuitive and usually easy. So starting with that, and I just feel like a DJ first and foremost, and, and, and I like I don't ever want to take personal credit for the re it's like it's it's mm. it's the original artist music but i'm just reimagining it for my dance floors and mm. so since i'm to dj first i'm like all right cool i'm gonna i'm gonna do this thing and um some of them are unreleased so like you can only come here when you hear me dj mm. but you know my first my first original track that came out was revival mm-hmm. and um 
it did way better than I expected. I was, and which is great because around the right before that, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with the label. Like we might have to shut down the label just cause I just don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Um, but when I, when I heard that, uh, Reverend Barber speech, I was like, Oh, I need to make a song. And I'm obviously not the first person to make a preacher house track. <laughs> like, but I was just like, Oh my gosh, this guy is like speaking in house music. And like, mm. he, I swear I didn't, I didn't, quantize or anything i just snipped a few things out that i thought weren't really timeless mm. like i just tried to keep the speech timeless and it like came out to 127 bpm just i was like wow this guy's talking in house music like this is crazy yeah. um and so that was that really really gave me the confidence because that record just did better than i thought it would mm. um that gave me the confidence to be like oh i should do a follow-up record <laughs> yeah i should do more in the studio um and it was fun because I play electric bass on that one as well. Mm. I overdubbed it, and um, people really, really loved that. They're like, man, when you do the slide on the bass, I'm like, <laughs> okay, people noticed that I was jamming in the studio. <laughs> so yeah, it, that was a big confidence boost. Mm. Can't hide anything from Detroit. No, no, you, you, don't, you can't. I mean, I literally shout out to Gramophone Records. When I tried to sell the, in Chicago, when I tried to sell a record to him at first, mm-hmm. he was uh, Mike Serfi, love the guy. He was like, I just don't like preacher house track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Cool, man." Well, I live here now, and mm-hmm. it'd be really great if you could buy like three. Like, <laughs> he was like, "All right, I really like the beats track on the B side." <laughs> I was like, "You like the drum tool?" <laughs> I appreciated his honesty. To, mm-hmm. be, to be honest, but um, yeah, yeah so funny, man. Mm, jokes on him. Jokes on him. I don't know. When I heard my dude, my friend Arup Roy, mm-hmm. um, shout out, shout out. Uh, he was shazamming a Mr. Scruff set, and Mr. Scruff. Like, that's my favorite DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, he was shazamming a Mr. Scruff track, and then he sends me the screenshot. He's like, mate, it was your track. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. That's like, I don't know. We sold some records, which was great. But I was like, Mr. Scruff is playing my record, and I didn't send him the promo? <laughs> like, this is the best day of my life. I still ride that high. It was like four or five years ago. And I'm still just like, but Mr. Scruff played it. <laughs> Oh, man. Rightfully so. Uh, Rightfully so. Yeah. All right, Peter. um, We're going to get to a quick commercial break, but we're going to talk about a little bit, you know, throughout the show, your latest release, which was the... Excuse me. I'm sorry. Now, you guys, remixes, rarities, and And VIPs, volume volume two. two. Thank you for the assist. I mean, it's a super easy name to remember. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Track on there I was really feeling was... Eddie Logics and Sunday Polliver. So talk about that while I queue it up. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's the Dazzle Drums remix from Tokyo. It kicks off the B-side of this record. And basically, um, when we put the Eddie Logics original record out, uh, it was called Placebo Palace. That was one that just like, it was sold out before I even picked it up from the plant, which was insane. And um, so we pressed more. And uh, when I sent the pro- Dazzle Drums is on my promo list. And when I sent it to them, they, they hit us hit me up and we're like can we do a remix of sunday palaver and i was like wow i'm a huge fan of your productions and mm. the fact that they asked it was like yeah you can put your foot in that <laughs> like and what they send back eddie and i listened to it together and we just like looked at each other like oh my god <laughs> this is so heavy <laughs> so um yeah it's probably like the heaviest and techiest track we've put out and Perfect. shout out to dazzle drums shout out to eddie logics Perfect. All right, everyone, stay tuned. This is 88.3 WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. We'll be right back after this quick, quick commercial break.
88.3 WXOU Auburn Hills, Michigan. This is the Summer Sessions with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr. We'll be right back with our interview with Peter Croce. But for now, we're going to hear a track off his label's latest release titled Courtesy of Moonlighter with the track Give Us Rain, the Igor B remix. Peace, thank you, and enjoy. WXOU Auburn Hills, Michigan The Summer Sessions With our in-studio guest Mr. Peter Croce We are back We are very much back And we are listening to an excellent tune From Moonlighter Off your latest release So give us a little tidbit about this one Yeah, so um, this is off of the uh, Remixes, Rarities, and VIPs Volume 2 uh, Moonlighter is uh, my label mate, and he's a little low key because he ended up moving out to uh, Seattle, and he is a psychiatrist moonlighting as a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's a mean DJ and a mean producer. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the Igor B remix, and Igor B is from uh, the Toronto area. And um, Igor B, I feel like is like my brother I never met, thanks to the internet. <laughs> um, he. 
he's one of the few artists on the label who I've released without ever meeting. Mm. Um, I feel like Roxy Disco is such a family affair, and he just like cold called sent me demos. Um, his original, his only 12 inch we put out is called Aguas de Setembro, and it's just some really good like Brazilian reworks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, he really fell in love with this Moonlighter track, Give Us Rain, and um, so we sent him the stems. This remix was done like three years ago. Mm. Um, and I was like, we're just going to have to do another remix as rarities. <laughs> and it took until like the end of last year to get it into production. So, yeah. oops. Um, but I mean, it's so timeless, right? Like, that's what I love. I try to just put out timeless music on the label. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, Igor B, I mean, we just chatted on Facebook so much. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, we're we're friends. Like, you're, you fit into the Rocksteady Disco family for sure. He's such a sweetie. And man, he put his foot in this track. Oh, my gosh. This is drums. <laughs> drums for days, man. Oh, man, he killed it. We had, and I had to make it the lead track. I was like, this is just so good. Excellent choice. Thanks, um, man. And so, kind of touching on that, um, talking about Rocksteady Disco, your label, um, this remix rarities and VIPs, last one you did was back in 2018. Yeah. Um, for a label that has just a very selective um, A&R process, um, just for original records, um, how much more effort do you put into getting just remixes out there as well man we've i've been i feel like in general i i really slack with remixes mm-hmm. um i love them <laughs> um <laughs> i just uh so yeah we did that volume one yeah 20 was 2018 mm-hmm. and that one um man how did that one come about i i oh i wanted soul power all-stars to remix something mm. i was a huge fan of soul power all-stars before i met them mm-hmm. and uh we just started chatting mark it, soul power all-stars is three guys but i yeah. mostly talked to mark and um he, i was like listen to our catalog and if there's anything that jumps out to you it'd be cool to remix it and he picked the tover horn track and then i approached lady monix monica my friend and i was like do you want to remix any of our tracks and she was like oh yeah i'll do a revival Ponche did Revival, and then actually, I always had that, that's where the VIPs part came from, is we always had that alternate version of, uh, VIPs, by the way, is variation in production mm. for, for the uninitiated. <laughs> um, that's like an old like reggae and like dub and jungle term. Mm. But yeah, anyway, we had that VIP from Topher, and I was like, this is definitely going on the record. We've had, so we had that one for a while, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we did Standing Stills and Illusion Remixed, um, that one came from uh, Bamboozle, Eli from Soul Clap. He never done a remix, and he just fell in love with that record, and he just messaged me and was like, I'd love to remix this. And I was like, wow, I'd love to hear what you do with this. <laughs> um, Topher Horn was like, yeah, I'd love to remix this too. And Arup Roy said he'd love to remix it. And so that was like a single remix, but the, all three of them sound so different. Mm-hmm. It's like It sounds like an EP. <laughs> um, so for this one... Yeah, it just was a slow process. It started with the Igor B remix. The Dazzle Drums remix has been done for like two years. Um, Blair's was the most recent, and Eddie Logic's remix of Noah's Land. Those are the most recent, like mm-hmm. within the last year, six months. Um, so, yeah, I, I should probably do a better job. But, you know, not to be a cheapskate or anything, but we're running on a tight ship at Rocksteady. This is very <laughs> DIY. We don't have a P&D deal with a pressing plan or anything. We just pay cash to Archer, who's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have hit up uh, Jimster and Alpalopo to mm-hmm. do some remixes, and they're brilliant. They're amazing. And they deserve the fee. I'm not going to say the fee, but mm-hmm. they deserve the fee that they charge. Mm-hmm. But I just don't have that kind of loot sitting in the Rocksteady Disco <laughs> bank account. So... Um, it kind of often works on trades or people who are just down for the cause and they know that I'm pretty okay with accounting. There's <laughs> a lot of reason, a big reason why people pay, charge. Yeah, knock on wood. Geez. The big reason people charge so much is because they just want the money up front because they know they're never going to see accounting. And I get it. This industry is weird. And none mm. of us are good at math. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I'm just so grateful that the remixers trust me. Mm. Um, and often... Yeah, the music industry can be shady. Mm. So um, it's nice that they trust me and, uh, and I trust them. And I'm just really, any any artist, I'm just so grateful that they're willing to work together. Got you. Because I'm not like writing fat advance checks. Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that money when you're selling 300 to 500 records, you know. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, just talking about Rocksteady Disco, you talk about just label, the realities of running it, um, getting artists on there. Um, but 
what I hear from that as well, you know, people know the hardships, but they're still willing to come with you to trust you to put records out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you, you know, you hear Rockstar Disco around just around the city, you know, you hear people go to these parties, you hear people who meet at parties who eventually get married. Yeah. Um, that's, such, that's so cool. <laughs> um, so just. What do you make of how this label that you're kind of running, just DIY, has just kind of just evolved and pretty much just into a community? It's kind of the best part, man. Yeah. Um, because, I don't know, if I'm being honest, I've always felt like a, 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 I have a ton of friends in a ton of different communities, but I've always just felt like a little bit of a weirdo mm. uh, doing my own thing. And um, I really hope that Roxy Disco has become a bit of a hub or a nucleus for folks that might feel that way. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm just really grateful for it. I, that's not really what I expected to happen. Hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to the venues we've worked with, like uh, Temple Bar and especially Motor City Wine. And, um, yeah, I'm just grateful for all the Detroit venues that have really helped. And now I've, like, I've played some really, really cool venues around the world, too, where uh, um, I'm grateful to... They're not like home, like Mersey Wine's home or Temple Bar's home, but you know, it, I can't wait to see them again mm. when I travel and see that those communities in those other cities. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. Um, Peter, um, I think we got about five minutes left. Okay, wow, well, it's going quick. Wow, that's Zoom. Yeah, it is. Oh it my is. god, <laughs> extended cut. Exactly, exactly. We keep going if we want, but um, <laughs> just for sake of radio, we'll, we'll call it. Um, yeah. So, just wrapping up. Um, you know we're coming out of pandemic you've had your big movement big mo- moment at movement um summer's wrapping up um you've been through some you know hardships yourself but yeah man yeah so just going ahead um what do you think what are you kind of just most excited about just being an artist again seeing people again and just getting to express yourself again yeah, man. Um, I've never been more excited to DJ. I've, I've never felt more grateful for it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I used to follow all these, like, DJ meme pages. And I think, like, we joked at the beginning, like, we're mostly playing other people's music. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really easy to be really disparaging about what we do. Or, I don't know, It's oftentimes DJ culture is so diluted, whether it's, like, the uh, Vegas of Vegasification of it all or whatever. Um, the Steve Aokiification of it all. But um, I think if we love something, and I really love sound system culture, and mm-hmm. I really love DJing, and I love the liminal space that a party is, mm-hmm. um, I'm like not afraid to say that I, that I love it, I, and I'm, I'm passionate about it, and I'm just so grateful because it's, it's nothing without the dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a party needs the DJ to mix the music, the venue to mix the people, <laughs> the bartenders to mix the drinks. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 symbiotic, and um, I just am grateful for the opportunity to pl- play really cool places, and just that people trust me to play music for them. And yeah, uh, tomorrow night we're doing it at Temple Bar. Blair French and myself are probably Mas Profundo. We got a guest named Heidi P. Mm. She's a mean DJ. Yeah, super stoked for that one. And uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm going to hit the road. I'm going to be in Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington on the 18th and, no, sorry, 19th and 20th of this month. So I'm stoked, man. I'm just really grateful for the opportunity because I just have always been a music nerd since I was a kid. I was like, man, I got a talent show in elementary school. Is there a way I could just play music for people? Like the music I like, like come to find out 10 years later, that's called DJing, Peter. <laughs> I had a dream when I was seven. Oh, and you saw it through. I guess so. Who knew? Exactly. What a blessing. Dreams, I imagine. Yeah. All right, Peter. Um, just getting out of here. Thank you so much for a great interview, great quotes, um, great music, everything you do for the city, for the world, and just for artists in general. We thank you. Thank we you, Roosevelt. You. I'm so happy that I know you now instead of just DMing each other on Instagram. <laughs> I'm grateful for you and what you do for the community, man. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cool. Um, so, last track we got coming up, the, you know, we talked about them, Soul Power All-Stars. Every time you move, I'm a Watt, the... Blair French remix. Yeah, Blair French. Detroit's finest. Exactly. All right, people. Enjoy and see you next week.
Merry Christmas from the band The Real Big Fish, and you're listening to 88.3 WXOU The Grizz. 